Hey everybody, welcome to the Climbing Sycamores podcast, uh, where we look at today's topics to get a better view of Christianity. I'm Annie Beagie, and I'm joined by my friends Ben Sadler and Matt Harbach. Sounds good. And here we go. Here we go. How are you doing, everybody? Fine, thank you. How are you? Good. Annie, you have some ideas here. I thought it was fascinating. What, what's on your mind? Yeah, so uh, a couple things. First, starting out with the, the phrase, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Okay, old phrase. I, I've said it a few times, you know, <laughs> and, and people look at me like, what are you, you know, what are you saying? And so uh, doing a little It's a research. disturbing phrase. Yeah. It, 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 right, right. And you looked it up, like yeah. origin 15th, 15th century German, yeah. Germany. Yep. Um, allegedly. And so, you know, just the, the way that it's worded, you know, the, the phrase meaning, um, in which something good is eliminated when trying to get rid of something bad. Mm-hmm. And so don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And I've said that this thinking about it kind of in context of, um, reasons that people don't want to go to church or don't, um, seek Christianity or Mm -hmm. they avoid it. Mm -hmm. And so with things like, well, I don't like that Christianity does this. Therefore I'm going to Mm -hmm. just, you know, eliminate all of it. Mm -hmm. Or, or for instance, I don't like that a particular, you know, maybe the Catholics, I don't like that the Catholics don't allow you to use birth control. Therefore it all must be bad. Mm -hmm. And, or, you know, even when it comes down to our own church, like, are there any things here at victory where Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, I mean, no, nothing's perfect. Right. So can you then, is it okay to throw the baby out with the bathwater yeah. because nothing's perfect right. kind of thing? It seems like, and, and I, it's part of my, I think, part of our generation, I can see it in myself, that in the past we were really into, uh, devoted and committed to institutions. So if you were a part of the Wells Institution or the Wells School System or part of the the Rotary Club or whatever kind of club you you are, the Lions Club, you are part of these things and you are devoted to building up this organization. You're devoted and and you would put up with a lot more, you know, challenges or something you didn't disagree with or somebody you didn't like who was on the committee or or whatever it was or, or some bad experiences. And now it feels like anytime somebody, and I, I feel, you know, sometimes I'll be like this, you, you flake out really quickly if there's any... Discord a, or... Yeah, yeah, anything that's challenging or something you don't like or... And I don't think that's good. Now, it's it's good that, like, we've, I think, raised awareness if, like, there's abuse going on in the church. All right, I'm, and there, now you're now there's cover-ups. Okay, now I'm not, I can't be part of a church that's, a problem. that's yes. broken trust. Yes. Um, and it's usually the cover up, like, all right, there's going to be sin. There's going to be problems. There's going to be failures. Now, how are you going to respond to them? Are you going to be honest about them? I think that goes a long way, but it, it does feel like, yeah, people feel the right or the obligation or even, you know, kind of proud of running away from organizations. And I think the previous generation would look at that as being a coward almost, or, or, you know, not being faithful or, or, uh, committed. I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, I also wonder too, if people are just kind of using it as an excuse a lot too. Like, sure. you know, oh, well, I don't like that, you know, this church says the creed every week. Yeah. Therefore, it all must be bad. You know, right. when to me sometimes, sometimes I think it's legitimate 
and they're they're maybe poking what they feel holes. They're finding holes mm-hmm. what they feel are holes. Um, and sometimes I think it's just an excuse. Like yeah. they've ju- they've they've justified why they're not mm-hmm. uh, seeking Christianity or why they're not looking. You know because they've justified it in yeah. that way. What I think can be so powerful, even in the early Christian church, you read the book of Acts, and there was problems right away. You know, the, the, uh, Acts chapters at five or seven, where it's they have to put together a whole organization of deacons because some people are being, some widows are being uh, forgotten in the, the distribution of food, and so they're arguing over that, and 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 you have the Paul. So many of his letters that he's writing to the churches that he started are because there's squabbles and problems between different members of the church. And so mm-hmm. he's cleaning that up. Um, so this is something that's not going away, but it's a trade-off. I mean, okay, throw the baby out with the bathwater. Now you don't have a Christian community during some mm-hmm. of these hard times, you know, the reality of death and suffering and 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 disease and failure. Where do you go for that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, your soul cycle class might help you out a little bit, but they're not going to put a, together a funeral for you and, and and help you grieve over these losses. So, mm-hmm. I, 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 yeah, there. And and the other thing I was going to say is, you know, we've been a part of three different congregations, and I wish maybe I would have really believed this more um, and knew knew about this when I started in in Florida, because yeah, there was problems there, but I probably maximized the problems and minimize some of the blessings to not see like, okay, yeah, there's a trade-off here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We don't know this. You know, my family doesn't speak the same language as the people in the congregation. Uh, can we work with that? And I, I think we need to become a little tougher and work with some of these problems because the payoff of being with a community of believers is so beautiful, I think. And guess what? You're not going to find the perfect church. Like no. nothing, anything that's operated by... Man is not going to be perfect. You're right. You're going to find a perfect government. You're not going to find a perfect anything. Right. And so I think, you know, to, to just throw the, the Jesus baby out with the bathwater <laughs> of, of man made rules is like, you know. Throw the baby out with the manger. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> what do you think, Matt? Um, do you think, you, you know, the younger you go, there is a, is it is it going the other way with, your friends are they more committed to institutions or organizations or things? Are they wanting to reclaim that, or is it is it going con- continuing going that direction where you see people flaking out quicker? Uh, I I think that for for younger for younger believers, like it seems like they really want to make something happen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I think they have energy. I think for younger people who are not believers. And maybe just uh, like my generation in general, um, the, there's just a tendency to always magnify the flaws mm-hmm. in everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you know, we, we talk about this all the time. People are always, always projecting perfection. And so you, you, you can't just associate yourself with something that's so broken. Mm-hmm. And so you, there's just, there's just, yeah, a, a tendency to to really focus on the negative things, and there's also um, just less commitment in general, because mm-hmm. um, because the it's a, it's a consumer culture. You can have anything exactly as you want it because you are the customer and you are right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the church doesn't c- quite do what you want. You're going to go to a different church, right? And if that whole church body is a little bit flawed you're going to go to a different church body mm-hmm. as if that will 
serve your needs better. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and really that's not how it works because church isn't a isn't a store. Yeah. You don't go shopping there. Yeah. You go there to 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 serve people and you go there to serve yeah. with and and help other people there too. Yeah. So yeah, um well, I, I'm well aware of the, you know, and and probably not aware is is, is but, but but sometimes people have you know let me know oh you didn't you didn't follow up I, I I told you these things and you didn't you didn't respond or you didn't you didn't uh, I'm aware of many ways that I failed some people and not and not done the right thing for them or or checked up on them or or if they were going through a hard time and all I can say is I'm sorry and I'll, I'll try and thanks for letting me know and I'll, I'll try to make it better but I it, it is devastating for a pastor when you see people leave. And you think, oh man, I got in the way of that. Uh, but I, I just, I do. I think I used to say, and we don't say it maybe as much anymore. But used to tell people right away, like, okay, this church is going to have problems. You know, you're, you're really, ex- you. Know, it's like the first date. You know, you, you put on your best show, but then after you're around <laughs> with somebody, you know, for a while, like honeymoon's over. The honeymoon's <laughs> over, and start letting those farts rip. <laughs> oh, jeez, oh, too much. Ew. Um, but I think that, that can happen at Victory. You know, you come in and you have the cafe and you have a, a, maybe some great music one day. Maybe it was the, you know, Pastor Bill knocked it out of the park and uh, and the, and then you, you hang out for longer and then, oh, there's a flaw there or, oh, they don't care about that idea or that that uh, that thing as much as I do. You know, mm-hmm. um, okay, then be a part of the solution. How can you how can you be a part of it? And if you are devoted to the... to whether it's here or another church, you could be a part of the solution. Now, yeah, you do have to have your kind of your line in the sand. That again, if there's, I think, I think the big one is if there's distrust, mm-hmm. if they're not honest, if they're covering up. That's when, that's when I, I, I could see why people would walk away. Yeah, but it is. I, I think consumer culture is many blessings as we have be, for all the options that we have. It's really hardwired us uh, to have it our way in everything. Uh, I think another thing about young people, and I can say this about myself too, is like when you when you first when you first are are trying to figure out life, you you have to you have to be a little bit cautious because you're very naive, and so you're you're kind of reluctant to jump into something, mm-hmm. and you have to you have to find a way to build confidence in something, but you you can seem a really smart by trashing at other people. Like that's, that's yeah. how I've done most of my life <laughs> if you, is if you can trash other people and you can find out what's wrong with them, then you'll come across as, as very knowledgeable, but it's really, really hard to build something. It's a lot easier to destroy things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's another thing for young people is like, if you don't know exactly who you are, what your purpose is, where you're going in life, your career, your relationships, anything like that, and you're like you don't you don't exactly know who you are, so you don't know who you whom you want to identify with. You don't know what you want to be a part of yet, but you do have a good you do have a good idea of what's bad because you you have that level of critical thinking developed. <laughs> Your puny Cro-Magnon skull. I was just thinking about the famous um, quote from uh, Teddy Roosevelt when he talks about uh, the man in the arena, and. Uh, he what, said, "Yeah, what's the quote?" It said, "It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, 
whose face is marred by the dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and no, no shortcoming, uh, but who actually strive to do the deeds. Who, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at best knows the end, the triumph of a high achievement, and who at worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it takes a lot to put yourself out. I, I wonder too, that, that's a whole nother rabbit hole, but there, there is a fear of failure because there's this idea that I could do it perfectly or, um, and I, I do think our ability to capture everything on film bring it up again in the future. There's just this fear, like if I screw this up, you know, who's going to talk about this in the future. And so you don't have that, that liberty and opportunity to fail, uh, daring greatly. So I, I love that quote. That's good. So yeah, that's, that is too bad. So I, I do, I, I do think if you can find a church, stick around as long as you can, accept the flaws, fight for it when it, when it, screws up big time and then if still you can't hold on then you know then yeah maybe you need to walk away but but uh man the payoff of a family of believers is such a beautiful gift i think yeah Mm -hmm. yeah don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. that's right the other phrase i was saying before is like you can't have your cake and eat it too Mm -hmm. right like Mm -hmm. it's going to be a Mm trade-off everything's going to be a Mm trade-off so what you got ben okay so i'm reading a a book uh, for our men's mentoring uh, group called uh, Sacred Marriage by Gary Thomas. And I really have appreciated this book so far. Uh, he, he brings out that um, in the past, monastic life of a single life was seen as the ideal uh, because of some of the things that the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians, how he wished that more people had the gift of singlehood. And I think people really ran with that for hundreds of years and started monasteries and and those kinds of things and living the kind of hermit life. And then uh, and then maybe today, maybe kind of the overreaction to that is, you know, married life is a higher form of, you know, that's really God's will for you. And I thought this guy just strikes a really good balance. I thought I'd maybe read a couple quotes and think about what, or hear your response. So he says, for centuries, Christian spirituality was virtually synonymous with celibate spirituality. That is, even married people thought we had to become like monks and nuns to grow in the Lord. We had to do the same spiritual exercises best performed by single people, long periods of prayer that don't allow for child-rearing or marital discussion, uh, seasons of fasting that make preparing meals difficult for family, times of quiet meditation that seem impossible when kids of any age are in the house, rather than seeing how God could use our marriages to help us grow in character in prayer, in worship, and in service, rather than develop a spirituality in which marriage serves our pursuit of holiness. The church focused on how closely married people could mimic single spirituality without neglecting their family. The family thus became an obstacle to overcome rather than a platform for spiritual growth. So um, he says, you know, so that's how it used to be uh, in the past, that, that, the family was an obstacle 
to spiritual growth. What you did by yourself and prayer and meditation and fasting, that was real spirituality. Uh, and he's kind of making a case that your marriage can actually be a place of spiritual growth as you learn to devote yourself to somebody else. So I don't know. What do you guys think about that quote? How does that strike you? Matt? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I thought it was, what I thought was fascinating is that uh, there's no holy state. You know, it's not, it's going to be hard either way, kind of maybe go with our previous conversation about trade-offs. Um, and then to kind of stop putting the guilt on married couples like that you're going to have an hour of meditative prayer in the morning like you're just not probably right um you're you're not going to have uh get a meal of fast and prayer because people are going to be hungry in your family and you have to prepare a meal for everybody you're not going to have uh you know could be able to go on these pilgrimages or whatever um but if you're f- single, that might not be a bad thing to do, uh, to, to really dive into some kind of mission work or, or uh, do, you, you do have some advantages as a single person to maybe do some of these things that, that, that you, you're not tied down to other obligations. But I've thought, man, my marriage and my family, this is ground zero for how I live out my Christian faith. If, if my kids were to tell people that, you know, their dad, the pastor, is a total jerk at home and won't help them out with cereal in the morning or something like that, you know, <laughs> that, I think that would, that, that's, that's ground zero for, for where people can, um, if, if you're successfully a Christian at work or, or whatever out with, in your neighborhood or with your, out, out of your house, but you're a total jerk at home, you're not doing it right. It should be the opposite. So I thought, I don't know. Any of those things spark ideas, or how challenging both singlehood can be and and the married life can be, and how do you follow Jesus in each of those? We have a married person and a single person here. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't. <laughs> I don't have a comment. I don't think. Okay. Uh, it's tough. I mean, I I I think I agree with the premise that mm-hmm. it seems like married people really seem to exalt married life. And maybe church people in general mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've talked about this before. That, um, like, if you're a probably a young person under like twenty five, there's plenty of churches where you will get bombarded with old people asking you to like come meet their grandson or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. When are you going to get married? Oh, are you dating anybody? Are you going to get married? And th- I think there's pressure there. Yeah. Yeah solution is to not talk to people at church there you by go. the way there you go <laughs> problem solved he's got another great quote i thought that marriage can be the gym in which our capacity to experience and express god's love is strengthened and further developed to get there we have to realize that human love and divine love aren't two separate oceans but rather one body of water with many tributary tributaries we show our love for God in part by loving our spouses well, and we love our spouses by loving God. So it can be a gym where you work out your, your marriage can be a gym where you work out your Christian faith. And I think that's a really powerful idea. You're talking about commitment in the last segment. When it comes to your friends, like if they annoy you or, you know, challenge you and you don't want to really hear it, you can just, you know, like not hang out with them for a few weeks and let things blow over and then 
get back to hanging out and in your common interest. When it comes to your marriage, like as long as they're two healthy people that are going to be sinful and they're not manipulating each other and they're not abusive or anything like that, like you have to, you have to change. You have to be a different person um, because it's not all about you. And I think that can really help because your, your flaws are exposed. Uh, Your selfishness is exposed. Your, I want it my way is exposed and you have to learn to stop that. Yeah. So I thought that was, that was really good. I think there might be one more on here um, that I thought was helpful. Uh, Here it is. Let me repeat this. You will never find a spouse who is not affected in some way by the reality of the fall. James 3 verse 2 teaches that we all stumble in many ways. A different spouse will stumble in different ways, but still according to Scripture in many ways, which means if you can't respect this spouse because he or she is prone to certain weaknesses, you will never be able to respect any spouse. So, <laughs> That I feel like is not necessarily true because there's certain things that are just deal breakers, and I think we've talked about it too. So, yeah, everybody sucks, but <laughs> so, some people, just, you know, there's certain things I just, I will personally will not deal with, right? and I wouldn't, you know, so everybody's kind of got their... Right. Flaws or whatever that they, they're not willing to deal with in a partner. Yeah, I would say, especially if it's a, uh, again, back to that, relatively healthy, you're not manipulating, you're not lying. Um, I, you know, lying and cheating and abuse, I mean, those are deal breakers if somebody is continuing doing those things. But someone doing the best they can are going to be flawed. And if you continue to pick out their flaws, even if they're doing the best they can, uh, you're going to find those in the, in the next person. You're going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. <laughs> so I recommend this book, Sacred Marriage by Gary Thomas. I think if you're, if you're trying to, if you're married and you're trying to figure out how do I be, how, how should I be a Christian and be married and, and how can my, my, my marriage actually enhance my walk with God? I think this is a, a good place to start. And that, that actually, that is, yeah, again, that's ground zero for how you grow in your faith. It's not what you do at church or where you volunteer in the community. Um, start at home. We've talked about Jordan Peterson and one of the things that he would he he said, you know, you want to change the world, first change your bed. <laughs> you know, and I think you want to be a great Christian, uh, first start on how you treat the people closest to you. Dave's going to hear this and he's going to hold me accountable. Your <laughs> <laughs> muffs, Dave. <laughs> Yeah, um, it it has been it has been said that marriage is a sanctifying process. Yeah, and I think the same may be true for raising children. Yeah, um, I think there's some. I think that's maybe where some pressure comes from. Yeah, because you know the, every wedding sermon ever is like treat your spouse like Christ treats yeah. you, sort of, and it it does seem like it's like sort of a, a higher spiritual path. Yeah. I think in that sense. You know, and then there's also, you know, uh, secular quotes like, you know, behind every successful man, there's yeah. a successful woman. And, right. you know, uh, right. <laughs> um, there's, uh, you know, like one plus one equals three sort of, you know, the idea. And, you know, it seems like people who are more fulfilled tend to be married and have they have happy marriages. And you say, you know, oh, you know, he was such a he was such a good uh, father and his family loved him. And, you know, uh, th- uh, it, it does seem. Mm-hmm. Like that's a that's a higher calling in some ways. I think that that messaging is pushed, 
and there's very little other than the Apostle Paul telling you that it can be good to be single too. Yeah. I would just encourage, I think, to see, and I mean, think of even when I was single, to the things that you're able to do, the, to travel, to serve, to do mission trips, to explore different careers. I mean, the flexibility right now, man, I'm just really, it's pretty cool. You know, you're teaching at Wisco, you're helping out with different churches, you're helping out here uh, to be able to have that flexibility and to serve. I would just encourage young people who listen to this, use this time to explore your gifts and figure out how you can help and use this energy for good um, because it, it it can be so incredibly powerful. Um, your ground zero, I guess that's the heart, maybe that's the bigger challenge is like for a marriage and a family, your ground zero is your family. So you have a very clear purpose. Make sure they're fed, make sure they're healthy, make sure they're uh, growing and, and they know their savior. When you're single, I think the options are can be almost endless. Who do I serve? Where is ground zero for me? And so that can be more of a challenge. But I say just dive in and and uh, try a bunch of stuff and really take advantage of this, the energy and the time, and the opportunity that singlehood can bring. And what if you're not young and single? <laughs> what if you're old and single? Yeah, I think there's there's a lot for there. There still is a lot of freedom to serve in a different capacity. I mean, the fact that the Apostle Paul could travel all over the world, start all these churches, uh, be ready to give his life without any concern, you know, is his life insurance policy paid up, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. doesn't, he doesn't have dependents that, that are waiting for him, they're being supported by him. So um, I just, the Apostle Paul, I think, is an example of that. What, what it could look like. Not that you have to do all these things or mm-hmm. that, that that's the only way you find me. I'm just saying, want to encourage people. That yeah. It can be a really huge blessing. Yeah. I, I just, I, I never hear that side of it. I feel like you always get told, you know, like yeah, marriage is sort of the ultimate thing. Right. And Jesus wasn't married. So, he did, he did pretty well. Yeah, he did all right. <laughs> he died by 33, so that's really not good. <laughs> so, I, 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 yeah, I think it can be incredible. I, I think about uh, somebody who's a, who's a professor at a local college and all that she did and the, the, the travel and the people that she was able to, you know, her kids were all of her students and how she could be so devoted to these kids. Um, I think in all things, finding a way to be devoted to something outside of yourself. And maybe when you're single, it's harder to maybe clarify who am I devoted to outside of myself. Uh, But I think both of them have to figure that out. That's all I have to say about that. Hmm. What are we at for time? We we got a short one. We're at 25 minutes. Do you want to broach? Sure. All right. We could broach an, a third nuts. topic because I think that it's worthy of it. We got time. Okay. Yeah. All right. Topic number three. Here we go. Topic number three is about friendship. And it comes to mind because um, th- in the past couple of months, I would say, um, I have been told or have heard from a couple different people that have recently moved, um, especially who just don't really know anybody and and they they don't have any friends 
And we talk a lot about friendship on this podcast and how important it is to have a circle of people to kind of ground you. And so the question is, how do you make friends? Or if you're somebody with friends, you know, do you do you reach out to try to befriend those mm-hmm. who are are feeling alone? Because that's that's a real need. That is not mm-hmm. really something that that the world or the culture will tell you is important. Yeah. They'll tell you that you can basically find all the fulfillment you want in your own success. Yeah. And that's that's horrible advice. Horrible advice. So how that's that's I, I know it's basic it's a basic need pretty mm-hmm. pretty much is is friendship. And so um yeah, I guess I guess the first place to start is how, how do you if you're someone who has just moved to a new town or a new community, you know, what is your first step? Like you don't know anybody and you're kind of scared to get to know anybody because mm-hmm. you don't have, you know, any adjacent friends to introduce you. Like you're just, you're kind of alone in a mm-hmm. sea of strangers. So what do you do? Why, why did you move to begin with? For a job? Yes. Okay. So then you start hanging out with people at your job. What if they suck? <laughs> what, if it's, what if it's a small company and like the age gap, you know, like you're, let's say you're like the one young person. They're all 30 years I think, older than I you. I think as we've seen in shows like The Office, um, <laughs> work, I mean, unites people. And so yeah. I think, mm-hmm. you know, you, you have that common ground that, mm-hmm. and, and then maybe you meet people through those people. I think you have to start there or, or join a, I don't know, a workout club or a, yeah, I, I'm going to, I'm going to retaliate a little bit because or say hi to people at the grocery store that you don't know, or just walk up to somebody and be like, Hey, I don't know. Let's hang out. It's a very <laughs> proactive response, but Let's say hypothetically that our person in mind is um, extremely anxious and hates talking to people. C.S. Lewis wrote a whole book on love and friendship, and he said friendship happens when two people look at something else and they they're doing something and they they look at and said, "Oh, you too? I thought I was the only one." Mm-hmm. And so friendship has to be about something outside of yourself uh so something else that something you enjoy so usually a friendship is based on a common interest of something so yeah it could be work i do think uh uh, the churches like in our church body outside of kind of the motherland are really good at this because everybody mostly is is moving to different areas and a church uh if especially if they have some kind of small group program uh is pretty pretty good about becoming a family um, it, I don't think it happens as much in the Milwaukee area because so many people grew up here. They already have their circle of friends. Uh, but I, I know people have moved away. Or, uh, when I lived in places outside of the Midwest, uh, church was really good at building those friendships. But I think it is, what are you interested in? Go do those things. Make sure you are actually interested in them. And hopefully you can find fellow travelers that will do those things with you. Um, don't force it. You know, If you don't like exercise don't do the exercise program but if you like something it's been interesting here uh uh we we have a group that is a board game group and i i just happened to be here friday night when they were meeting the place was packed mm-hmm. and then some people driving from chicago to come up here and play board games it was, it was awesome and they all this common interest they love playing games um and so i thought that was pretty cool uh so finding those common interests I think it's but just it, never been a problem for me, so I don't, I, I yeah. don't know how, I don't know how to respond to it because I'm like, this is foreign. 
I think too, you, we talked a little bit before the podcast that, you know, Annie, you living here your whole life mm-hmm. is a huge advantage. And I think our mobile society, as great as it is to be able to pick your career and pick where you live, the trade-off is you have to start over and friendship takes a while. Every time that we've moved, I feel like it's taken us at least a year, sometimes two to three when you really, I mean, we've been here almost four years and now we're really, you know, got our crew and have our routines and it's really hard in the beginning. So I would say, first of all, that these people don't freak out. It's going to take a little while. Uh, It takes trust. It takes time. It takes common interests. Stick with it. I think maybe there's a piece there about knowing kind of a little bit about yourself because something like the Victory Cafe here, like if I came in, if I didn't work here, if I came in as a visitor and I just came by myself, um, I think I would probably get food and I would stand in the corner next to a garbage can so I didn't look totally out of place. Yeah. And the reason I wouldn't want to look out of place is because I don't want anyone to actually come up and say hi or to ask how I'm doing, but I would not talk to anybody. Right, and I think that's the challenge of a church our size, is it? it is overwhelming, and that's what I mean, that churches in our area, I, I don't know if they're able to do that, to be that piece. Um, it's fascinating. In smaller churches, in outlining areas, you know, you you all are coming in, and you all... You, I've also heard friendship is kind of like um, Lego pieces. You know, we can deeply connect with a handful of people. And some of us, we already have our Lego piece all filled up. It's all, all the pieces are filled up. And we might have acquaintances that we hang out with or like, you know, we see every once in a while. But like as far as like our deep-rooted, connected friends that we really open up to, some of us already have that all filled up. When you are maybe in a mobile kind of city where people are moving in, New York, Atlanta, Orlando, Chicago, people are really hungry because they don't have that filled up. Um, And so you almost can sense that walking into a church uh, in those areas, I think that, oh man, me too. I need need to hang out with somebody. So I think it's harder if you're Mm. in, in this area. Sure. I think I think some people like you just you have to join like you have to I I think for someone like me like you have to join like a team mm-hmm. like a volunteer team or something like and 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 try to work on something yes cuz for me that just makes sense of things if I like a chance like oh here's an objective and yeah. work with these people okay I'll get to know you now cuz yes. now we're working on something not just like boy it's chilly out there today right <laughs> and I think that's what that's what French, that's what C.S. Lewis is talking about. It's got to be about something else mm-hmm. because none of us are that interesting. And so yeah. if we just make it about, I'm interested in you as a, like marriage is more of that. Marriage is more of like the infatuation and the relationship, but friendship is about you having a common interest. And it's interesting, like sometimes you have that common interest, like you don't really want to do something else with those friends. Like if you have, fr- like I have a friend that we love working out, we work out together and send each other our numbers every day. But I don't know if we would do well doing something totally different than that because that's not what our friendship is built on. And I think that's that can be 
So you do need something else. You need something outside of you that you really, that's why, yeah, Victory Cafe is not, probably not the place you're going to make a, French, a friendship because what are you going to bond over, croissants? I, you know, like you both have an appreciation <laughs> for a good croissant, maybe, or good coffee. I mean, even that if, yeah. Okay, so from the other end, um, I have at several points in my life, I think, like, I, I, I feel like I've typically had a good number of friends. Like, I've never really been in a situation where I felt I needed to have an extra friend for some mm-hmm. reason. And and there have been times when... Purple-haired ladies try to fight it. <laughs> giggling. Crazy purple-haired women oh. won't stop badgering me. Um, no, but, I mean, sometimes, like, there's been people and you can kind of sense yeah. that they keep kind of asking you or you're kind of your your friends to do something and it's like man this person's irritated no way <laughs> you've just been stiff arming people stiff arming people all the time but you know looking back that's probably not the nicest thing to do and so if you're so, like when, when do you when do you say like you know i i it's like to me it's like okay i'm gonna click with you right away we're gonna be friends and that's fine good otherwise no and when do you have to say all right i think that you need help <laughs> i think that you want to hang out with people and that would be good for you and i need to stretch myself a little bit and make room and not just always be in my comfort zone with people i already know i don't know i i think it's perfectly reasonable i mean this is your time your investment in in friends and if you really don't click with somebody i don't think you have any obligation to I mean, to spend time with them. I, I, I mean, it, it, this is a balanced, balancing mm-hmm. act too, where it's like, yes, I don't want to be selfish. And if somebody really does need, you know, but you, you got to set boundaries and stuff too with some of these people and mm-hmm. make sure they don't become dependent or stage five clinger or, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think there's different levels of friendship too. Like, okay, maybe there's a person that, you know, we're acquaintances. I'm going to care for them and check in with them and stuff, but I don't have to be, and I can't be deep, deeply connected to 20 people. Some people have a capacity for 10. I think many people have a capacity for like five, like really deep relationships. Um, yeah, that's a, I guess I'd, I'd wonder like, is, is that person, really interested in the same thing that you are like <clears throat> do you really have that common interest or do they just want a friendship and they're just looking to glom on yeah on something and, and i think that's when it Koala gets bear people it that's c.s lucy again that same in that same article he talks about how people who are want to be friends for friendship are annoying he says that in there <laughs> and he says it's got to be about that common interest and if it, it isn't then you're like we don't really have much in common here you know and i think that 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 can be really helpful so encouraging people to and and, you know it's kind of cool like maybe i don't know if you've ever seen this like that person that's trying to get into your friendship group and then they do find something else that they actually really like doing and they find a group that they like hanging out with like you almost want to you know thank them or, you know, encourage them and celebrate that they've figured out their crew uh, because of that common interest and that, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think everything that has been said makes sense to me and it's kind of how I operate. 
But I think there's there's a part of me that thinks if our mission is to be welcoming and inviting, yeah. and if our goal is to try to reach people who do not have a church family, yeah. then I, I think you have to pay some consideration to people are going to come here and they're not connected because they do not have a sense of community. So they might yeah. come yeah. and they might go. Right. And uh, I mean, are we... Is there is there something else we can do to kind of help get people, you know, yeah. connected? I think that's where our life groups and we need to do a better job at that of of uh, having enough groups that people can get connected with. I think we want to love everyone, but it's hard to like everybody. You know, and it's hard to mm-hmm. <laughs> how do you serve people and care about people and help them find their fit and things like that, and and especially as people are coming in you know, we do need to make sacrifices. You know, there is something about loving your neighbor and and literally loving the people in your neighborhood and how do you care for them? You might not be best friends like David and Jonathan in the Bible, but but you're gonna be um you're gonna be care for them and if they need something, you're gonna be there for them. So I think there are two different yeah, loving people and caring for them and then you're not going to marry everybody and you don't have to, you're not obligated to, to be a, have a deep friendship, that mutual friendship, companionship with everybody, but you are commanded to love everybody. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as like, what does that look like for a church? I think I want to pastor as many people as I can, uh, take care and, and care for their spiritual needs. And then I also want to, um, make sure they find their fit, make sure they find the group that they can connect with, whether that's a serving group or a life group or something like that. It is hard when I'm at church and I see somebody in the Victory Cafe standing by themselves, you know, and trash I, can corner. Yeah. Tra- it's and, Matt. And, yeah. There's, there's, there's Matt. And I, I don't know what I I'm I'm on the other side talking to some people and I want to make sure that that person knows that we care about them and, but you also, yeah, some people don't want to be talked to either, you know, mm-hmm. but you, you also don't want them to be isolated. You want them to know that they're welcomed and they're, we're glad they're here. Well, and, that's the thing. Do you want friends or don't you? Yeah. Like, honestly, like, yeah. do yeah. you, do you want it or don't you? Like, mm-hmm. well, you yeah. can't have your cake and eat it too. <laughs> All don't, the phrases today. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just think, yeah, I just think like, especially today, a, lo- a lot of young people just have so much anxiety all the time. And it's like, yes, they want friends. Yes, they want close friends. They don't know. I, I just, I have to assume they don't really know how to meet people. I have yeah. talked to a lot of people where I get the impression like, you don't know how to meet someone. You know how to put on a good show from a distance. Yeah. So they think you're funny and charming and personable. Yeah. But you don't actually know how to make a friend. Right. I think that's true. And it's a problem. Shelby doesn't have this problem, does no. she? No. No. Shelby does Shelby not is like Scout. Yes. <laughs> like you, Annie. Like I me. Think she, I think she is. That. But I I don't think the tech... You know, we, we talked we talked about technology a lot here. I don't think Snapchat is helping because you are putting out a persona. You're not putting out yourself. Mm-hmm. And then there you don't have opportunities to have conversations. You don't have time to, to be vulnerable, to have common interests because... It, it is such an individualistic pursuit of, yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I feel like I kind of see it in Tristan too. He's, you know, almost 16. And it's like, I feel like I kind of have to teach him how to be a friend. Mm-hmm. It's stuff It's stuff that 
I never ever thought I would like somebody would need to be taught to do mm-hmm. and just kind of like looking at, you know, cause at one point I, I just give me your phone. I want to see how you're talking mm-hmm. to your friends. I, I'm not suspecting anything weird. I just, I, I want to see how you're communicating. Yeah. And he's just totally like, I don't know, aloof and adrift and like, yeah. and I'm like, no, you, you need to, here's how you need to be communicating. Like right. you're, you're not being a good friend right now. Right. And so it's just weird to me that, um, that that would have to be taught. Right. It's, it's hard for me to put into words how yeah. to do it because it's always, and, and Dave and yeah, you know, it's, it's just natural. Yeah. yeah. Does this, I didn't know anybody had to be taught to do this. Yeah. And obviously he's in the, you know, the young age bracket. So I yeah. don't, I don't know if it is just a, uh, well, I think thing? the alternative behavior is just reinforced all the time, all the time, all the time. And so you you don't have to learn how to do it, you know. Mm. And if you're the if you're like the funniest person in the room, people will like you. Or if you're the most talented person on the team or the most talented singer, yeah. in the, like people will kind of like you and they'll flock to you and you don't actually have to learn how to become a friend to anyone. Mm. And you can just run to social media for the perception of friendship mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when it gets hard. Uh, you know, friends without commitment or vulnerability or reality. I don't think the pandemic helped at all. Oh, no. I don't think how we dealt with that helped at all. I mean, and and especially, I yeah, I mean, I think those kids who went through middle school, like some of those years where you... Formative. Th- yeah, formative friendship years where you you were kind of learning how to navigate friendships. Uh, I think that, that was really hard. Well, and I kind of want to say too, and... I don't necessarily mean this to be a criticism, but just maybe something to think about is, you know, the way that our grade schools are set up to, um, you know, you're, you're kind of with the same class, assuming you stay in the same spot, you're with the same class from age of four to the age of 14 or 13, 14. And that class that you're with, that has a really, really strong impact on how you develop and what your personality is and who your friends are. And even, I would even argue your, you know, um, abilities, your athleticism and, you know, and so I don't know. I mean, I think that has something to do with it. Also, I can kind of see, you know, varying experiences between my own kids and other people's kids Mm -hmm. and the classes that they had. And, you know, for me, I had, uh, K K through fifth grade and then we went sixth through eighth grade. So mm-hmm. we went to a whole new school, larger school. Yeah. So I, I do think that there's something to be said about the way that our, our like the Lutheran well, yeah. and Catholic, gr- the grade schools are set up to go from K to eight. Yeah. And it can be a huge blessing if you're in a class that you really get along Correct. with. I had that same experience where I was in a challenging class. I actually left Christian school, went to public school, and I had a better experience in the public challenging school. Challenging how? Just it was a small class. Mm-hmm. Didn't really get along with the kids in mm-hmm. that in that class, and uh, but then when I had more options, right? Like I I did find a crew. Um, so it was a trade off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that um, one thing that's good is like, um, I don't. I think I kind of see this in high school where stuff that was kind of considered like outsider weird kind of fringe like the awkward kid you know would be into this or that like now that's that kind of stuff is becoming more acceptable such like, as everything nerdy theater <laughs> well theater always had kind of a big group i think but like if you're in into like particular genre of, of like cartoons or tv shows or yeah like board games 
like board games, like people play those online and like people are really serious about those and, and they, they become best friends. And it used to be, you know, like you, you can't find a good place to play board games in school necessarily. Like there's the weird kid dealing out magic, the gathering cards in the cafeteria. <laughs> like what is he doing? So you're you know? saying, so technology has allowed you to connect with people who. Yeah. I think, like the I same think things. there's, I think that is one good thing where yeah. maybe there, cause there's some stuff that is just not popular. Right. You know, one in one in a hundred kids is into this or that thing. But like, you know, if you're in a bigger school or you can connect online, like, and you don't have to feel weird about it or whatever. Right. Cause I think there, there have always been like a couple of hobbies people had. It was just like, that's the weird kid, you know, <laughs> doing, always doing that thing, you know? Yeah. But then they meet people who are yeah over yeah. that common interest. Yeah. I wonder too, at what point, you know, because I feel like, you know, kids meet online, they're playing these games, things like that. And at what point does that transition to an actual friendship where right. like, I'm going to you now with, with problems or right. I need your advice. And like, at right. what point, you know, where do, where do we go from, yeah. you know, uh, oh, we like music. So right. now we're friends. And then how do we end up transitioning into, mm-hmm. dude, I could really use your advice on this right. or. I do think you have to find a way to get in person. I think I don't. I don't know if you can just always be friends online. I, I think I've, you have I've to... seen a lot of stories of people that like didn't. They were like best friends, but they would like play like you know a, some game every week, and like they met each other after like fifteen years, and they like invite like one was like the best man and the other person's okay. Wedding, well, you know, maybe it does work. So maybe okay. it does, yeah. Just the best of friends. And I assume that while they're playing games throughout the course of this relationship yeah. there i mean they're probably talking about life and that's that's that might be just like more of a guy thing i don't know like guys like if you find someone who likes the same thing as you you're just friends like that's it right there like hmm. in, in my experience like all right we're friends now and it's fun to watch like young kids like they go out on a playground and they both they throw the football oh you're like all right we're best friends like, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah yeah immediately oh yeah, it's yeah. so cute yeah yeah the book of Proverbs talks about this a lot, like a friend sticks closer than a brother. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whoever has unreliable friends, you know, is like a, it's like standing on a, a broken stick. You know, just it won't, you you need this to get through life. So it is a need. And yeah, the book of Proverbs, I couldn't find it offhand, but just over and over again, talking about the power of friendship. And uh, and so it, it's worth investing, worth making sacrifices. And, you know, we've, said that too like emily and i like all right do we want to go out or do this thing or you know we're tired or whatever but like and, and you have to do these things you, you do ha- have to make an effort you have to make an effort mm-hmm. yeah. sometimes when you're yeah like when you're really tired right or somebody says oh i've got a it's my birthday you guys yeah. want to come out and it's like oh, you're thinking i'm kind of tired but you yeah. go because right. that's mm-hmm. your friend and yeah mm-hmm. exactly you put that aside a little bit and really important Good topic. It is so, a good topic. in closing, advice for people who are new in a community and they need friends. What do they do? I say start with church. Yep, or work, mm-hmm. or finding a small group at church, right? Mm-hmm. And then, and then after that, go get involved in something. Yeah, you know, especially if you're single, you know, Soup go kitchen <laughs> or yeah, service projects. Yeah, anything or or a. a into music if you're into that or you know whatever it is that you just go dive into something you really like and you'll find other people who like Mm -hmm. the same thing community theater i mean there's 
Tons of stuff. I think, Sports, I think volleyball, it, like a community volleyball yeah. team. Mm-hmm. I think it's a myth that I think some people feel like they join a church and it's like, all right, we got to stay here for a couple months, get settled, and then we'll join a team once we feel like we're real members here. Yeah. I think like if you want right to join, you go go in right away. Like, well, but not not all churches I think will allow you to do that. Oh. You know, so. Well, you might have to get lame. <laughs> yeah, well, but I mean that's part of it. I'm still right. Yeah, you're always right, man. <laughs> I know. Oh dear. Very good. So I think that's it. That, that that's where what you start in. Yeah. Hopefully, maybe this helps somebody, and if it and, does, that'd be great to hear. And I think too. to to really recognize you know, if, if the person, if people like this don't already recognize, like really recognize how important friendship is like, Mm -hmm. because that, you know, I think once, once you realize that and understand that it might help get over that hump of anxiety or help get over any fears you might have, because it is really important. Mm -hmm. What is that statistic? Like you, you, if, if you're lonely, that'll kill you like faster than cigarettes. Yeah. I, I don't, you can, Google it, right? The, but it, it, there is there is a statistics out there. I think it was done by the Harvard Harvard Medical Journal that was researching loneliness and how how uh, devastating that is. And, and you you see it sometimes. You know, somebody is they lose a spouse or lose a group of friends, and how quickly they deteriorate, mm-hmm. especially with age. But but those who do have a, a a group of friends that they're always you know communicating with and and speaking with like that, that gives life. It's just amazing. Yeah. So yeah, we. So if you're gonna drop one of them, drop the. Drop the the cigarettes first, or wait. Yeah, what, what are you uh, yeah. If you're if you drop can't the loneliness. Yeah, what? drop the loneliness first. If you have to drop either smoking okay. or friendship. Don't drop your friendship. You know, right? It's more. Yeah. Seems so. wise. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Touche. All right. No samos. If you'd like to get a hold of us here at the Climbing Sycamores podcast, feel free to email bsadler at victoryofthelamb.com. B-S-A-D-L-E-R at victoryofthelamb.com. If you like today's intro music, it's been brought to you by Andrew Lynch's song, My Name, Hello. Hello.